Till we're all growing a beard A man's face should never be bare We just want some facial hair We're anticipating, yeah, everyone's waiting for beer Well, good morning, everybody. We're uh, really glad you've chosen to join us today. And for those of you who will catch us uh, later, either here on Facebook or on the uh, podcast apps, we're we're glad you've chosen to join us. This is Behind the Beards, and uh, we pull the curtain back, take a look behind the scenes, and do our best to reveal the things that uh, you need to know about your ministers and your ministry leaders. My name is Josh Fowler. I am a preaching minister in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, my partner, my brother, Aaron Partlow is a youth minister in Topeka, Kansas. And uh, what's going on, man? Got your uh, got your coffee going this morning, or is that tea? Just, just uh, it's actually just empty. I just drink it so that I look cool. So uh, that's a Tonight Show. Uh, that's right, hack, hack, right? Yeah, yeah. What's up with me? What's up with you? I hear there's a new Fowler in the family. There is. I don't. There is, I'm. I'm still. I'm not really sure how Japanese law works, right? Or is there a new death death in the family? But that doesn't sound <laughs> that doesn't sound that, right. There is a new member. There's a new member of the Fowler family. That's right. Uh, my son got married. Today's the eighth. He got married a day and a half ago for us on the sixth for us, but on the seventh for them in Japan. So, wow! Congratulations, Dustin. Um, thanks, man. We're, we're excited for you. They uh, hoping to make a little trip over here to the states in uh, in May, so we'll be able to actually meet her face to face. We've met on Facetime um, in a lot of different ways. We've had a lot of conversations with her and her family, but um, that'll be a good chance for us to meet face to face. It's pretty cool. I am so bad at or at uh, relaying information to my wife. Last <laughs> night she was on Instagram and saw it, and she was like, "Did you see?" And I was like, "Yeah." You you didn't know? She's like, no. Did you know? And I was like, yes, I <laughs> I, might I did. I think, but I think maybe Josh told me that they were getting married sooner rather than later. She was like, wow, he was he's just a baby. And I was like, he's not a baby. He's in the <laughs> Marine Corps. <laughs> he's a man. <laughs> well, and we knew it was going to be quick, right? I mean, they talked about it being really soon. Um, and so by really soon, I'm thinking January or February. Right. And yeah. then Sunday night, he sends a text and he goes, so we're getting married today. It's like, okay, well, very cool. I said, we'll send pictures. And so five minutes later, he sends a picture of a form all in Japanese. Nice. And I said, so was the ceremony in Japanese? He's like, not really a ceremony. We just had to go to the courthouse and sign these papers and we're married. So, um, they're looking forward to a big celebration when they uh, sure. get done and come home and in a couple of summers. So that's exciting. That's exciting. I'm excited for him. Dustin's such a great guy. Um, I love him and I'm excited. I hope uh, that we'll get to meet her as well in the future. So maybe Absolutely. we'll make, make our Baton Rouge trip uh, finally. Right. Well, I would say you've always got a place to stay, but Dustin might take the place, but I'll find you a place to stay. I used to like Dustin a lot. No, not so much. Uh, he's the worst. Well, hey, guys, we are going to do something a little bit different today. We are going to uh, – our title tonight – or tonight, today, this morning, is How Are You Doing? 
uh, I'm fine. And um, Josh and I were just talking about one of our favorite Christian comedians um, whose name slips me. His name is Chris. Do you remember? We were just talking about him. John Christ. John Chris, there it is. Wow. Thanks, I thought, for, I, thanks for really I, letting me float out there for a while. I couldn't tell if you were about to crack a joke or if you were really looking for help. <laughs> no, so. I was really looking for help. Uh, and he always says that uh, fine is the Christian F word, uh, which, um, you know, because when we're we're really talking to people, we'll say, oh, we're, I'm fine, uh, when really we can be really hurting on the inside. And so Josh and I both stumbled across this article written by the Christian Chronicle. I gave them a holler and I said, hey, we are a big time podcast, uh, millions of viewers, um, and uh, we wanted to review your article on our on our podcast. And uh, they said, "Well, that would be great. Um, just make sure uh, to shout us out." And I said, "Of course, I love the Christian Chronicle. A lot of you subscribe um, and get to read their articles, uh, and this one was was really good. It says ministers struggle under weight of the pandemic stress." Um, Many ministers are stressed and exhausted. The profession may uh, be divine, but it really takes a toll. It's all-consuming. Uh, a licensed marriage and family therapist in East Texas, Texas uh, Smith said that uh, it's not just her professional opinion, it's her personal. Her husband, Stephen, serves as a youth minister for the Glenwood Church of Christ in Tyler, about 100 miles east of Dallas. And uh, so we just kind of wanted to take some time and kind of uh, chit chat about this article uh, a little bit, Josh. What do you? What are your kind of thoughts? What were your first impression thoughts when you uh, when I sent you this article? Yeah, my uh, my first thought was, duh, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Um, because you know the reality is um, there. You would be hard pressed to find people that aren't affected by the way of life that we're in right now and the kind of the kind of stress that is that is about you see it in homes you see it in jobs you see it in churches right you know you see it in schools um but then i, I kind of started reading through it and it kind of really got me to thinking about the the unique ways in which um i would say ministers and probably service personnel i think you could put some of the same kind of things with like nurses and teachers i think so um, because it's a very similar kind of interaction uh, with people, with community, and with those that we're called to serve. And so just the unique ways in which that has affected me, some of the ways I really, I think I was aware of, but not really aware of how deeply affected I, I was until kind of recently when, when some other folks were talking about some similar things. So um, I just want to say that right out front is like, look, we're not saying that ministers struggle, nobody else does. Uh, because yeah. we're aware that so many people are, are facing a challenging thing. We just want to maybe highlight some of the unique ways in which um, we are affected because we have a tendency, we'll talk about this in a little bit, we have a tendency to uh, uh, put our put our self-care on a back burner. And um, I think being aware of those things is the, the first step to making sure we preserve ourselves and our, our own spiritual health so that we can continue to to serve as we're called to. So. Absolutely. This is not a this is not a wine fest over here at Behind the Beards. This is just simple um, reminding. Really, this Josh and I were talking about this in the pre pre show that this this podcast was really for uh, this episode today is really for Josh and I and uh, and to remind ourselves uh, about self care, remind ourselves um, all these kind of things. You know what? Um, 
what really stuck out to me is I've never been a numbers person. Um, matter of fact, I, I can remember <clears throat> going on a high school mission trip and we have about 35 kids on roster. Uh, we had about 40. We had a big graduation class. Uh, we have about 35 right now. Um, and I went on a high school mission trip. So at most, I should have had like 20, 22 teenagers. And I had seven uh, want to go on this high school mission trip. We went on this high school mission trip. It was fantastic. We had a small group. We had some intimate devotionals uh, all week. We were able to do some great service projects, all sorts of stuff. I get back. I'm pumped. The kids were pumped. It was a great trip, spiritual high, serving God. And I remember getting asked, you know, a question. Well, did you feel like it was a good trip? Because only seven out of 22 teens went. And I went, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it was an amazing trip. It, it was great. And, you know, it doesn't, it, it kind of reminds me of that Bible study or the, the Bible story in, in the Old Testament about Gideon. And he shrinks like the army down and down and down and down, uh, except for the other way around. Like, well, well, do you really feel like it was an effective trip? Because only seven went. And I was like, yeah, you talk to any of those seven uh, who went on that trip and they're going to tell you that it was it was a really good. It was an amazing trip and it was full of bonding and, and great um, uh, memories. Uh, COVID has made me like think about numbers more than anything. And I hate yeah. that, you know, I yeah. hate that. Um, and it, it kind of drives me crazy. It's taken me back to the car business days, right? The hardest thing for me to get out of going into ministry, because mm -hmm. in, in the car business, I had numbers, I had benchmarks. And as long as I was hitting those benchmarks, I knew I was on track. I knew how to gauge growth. I knew how to gauge success. I knew how to gauge progress. Um, and then you get into ministry and say like all that stuff you learned and how to gauge progress, it goes out the window because right. the most important thing you can do is deal with the people that are in front of you, mm -hmm. whether it is one, 100 or 1000. Um, you've got to deal with the people in front of you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, growth is not defined by numbers because the growth we're seeking is not something that can really be measured physically like that. You know, we're looking Absolutely. for spiritual growth. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, ultimately, our hope and our prayer is that obviously we want numbers to grow. Right. But if the numbers don't grow from a very spiritual standpoint, they're just fluff. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, I can, I can get 50 teenagers to show up to anything. Right. And I do that by offering them something for free or giving them free pizza or something along those lines. Right. And people will show up. Uh, people will show up. The The difference is how do we create growth um, that lasts, that really is, is an anchoring point that will allow them to endure. And so I, I agree, man. Getting back in here, it's like, okay, how many people do we have online today? You know, when, when where it's a worship service, you know, right. how many people are logged in? And, you know, which one of the, um, oh, the, analytics which one of the analytics do i use well i'm using the one that's got the highest number on it oh yeah absolutely. you know it's like well did you factor in 10 second views and i said i don't care i just want views you know because <laughs> yeah. i'm looking i'm looking for that because it gives me some sense of accomplishment mm -hmm. um, how many people logged in it's like well there was only like seven by the time i started teaching but at one point we had like 47 so i'm taking 47. that's right yeah um it's just so easy to fall into that because i can't see the other side of the screen 
So it's like all of a sudden numbers are the only thing I have to go on. Um, so it's easy to kind of fall into that trap. You know, what's amazing is, um, and I got to give props to like churches in general, like well done, well done. We talked about this earlier that like churches had to be so quick so for this, fast, yeah. this, this, this dynamic change. Like um, there is the largest, this is the a running joke, right? Um, that like churches, like they're slow. And then there's like church slow, right? It's kind of like me. I always make a joke like, you know, oh, it was hot today, but it wasn't nursing home hot, you know, because it's like really hot nursing home. Like churches are slow and, and, and well, there's things that are slow and then there's church slow, which is like really, really slow. And a lot of time that's really good. And, and I'm not making fun of churches, but we are like we're methodical. We have to think about it because this are dynamic shifts and dynamic changes. And also... We've seen things in the past where churches have made fast, risky decisions and they didn't really think about it. But mm -hmm. this pandemic um, has made us like shift and, and move and and change the way that we've always done things um, so quick. You know, you have churches who are uh, I, I thought it was funny. We were putting in a live streaming service at Central and um, our stuff was on back order. They said, mm -hmm. oh, it's only because every church in America uh, is going to live streaming. So everything is bought up. Right. Um, you know, and so like it took us instead of like getting it. Oh, we're going to be live streaming next month. It took us like three months just to get the equipment mm -hmm. to our church building. It was it was insane. And so um, churches have done a great job at making this dynamic move. Um, and at first. It was like at first, ooh, this is new. This is fun. This is great. You know, <laughs> I remember like I was like, ooh, we're going to have Zoom class. What? what? It's going to be lit. And then now it's like, oh, Zoom class. Like, oh, it's yeah, brutal. Right? Fatigue, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. so, um, yeah, this is this is perfect. The pandemic, the pandemic pushed some congregations to do something. Uh, they had to put off for years. And I think that's that's really true. Um, and then Bryce's comment, you know, I think uh, I think that really is why it has been so hard for us. We don't make changes fast, and this has forced us to do something. It, it forced us to make initial changes fast. Yeah. But then it forced us to make subsequent changes, sometimes even faster. Mm -hmm. And so while a lot of people were really uncomfortable with that first step, the subsequent steps became increasingly more challenging. Yeah. Because all of a sudden we're in this world that not only, you know, we're accustomed to culture being um, a place that we don't get and don't understand. Mm -hmm. But when now we're at a place where, where church feels like a place that we don't recognize, you know, that's, that's the anchor. That's the thing that never changes, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> that's that thing that's always steadfast and it's always there. And I know what to expect when I walk in the doors. And now it's like, man, what's what's changing this week? And not, not because it's bad, just because out of necessity. Um, it, makes me, it makes me kind of think about like, how does your church thrive? You know, my church thrives in being able to have those conversations, those hugs, those handshakes, those kisses, all those kind of things that kind of happen in that auditorium. And what has COVID really ripped away from our congregation? Well, that, right. you know, um, you know. Before, before we get there, we can just touch up on here what, you know, Josh Jones, a good friend of mine and yours, right? He's a terrible picture. 
It is a terrible picture, but it's it okay. looks like a looks like a uh, a police picture or something. I don't know. I'm accustomed to getting that little kind of sideways look when you say something off the wall. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but just this idea of you know initially, just like I was excited, everyone was excited because it was new, um, and it was something to explore, and. You know, they're looking at it in schools and at work and here we are in church. And we had this mindset, I think, going in that it was going to be um, brief, right? Three, four weeks, six weeks at the most, and we're going to be back to normal. Um, you know, but Josh talks about these early days where, you know, people are showing up. Um, and then, you know, later on in the, in the pandemic, you're lucky to get one or two people who are there because it's just. I mean, it's hard. It's taxing. It's a different way of engaging. And like you mentioned, you don't have that very personal in interaction that is so, so desperately needed. It's, it's, it's how we are identify ourselves, right? And it's hard, it's hard to get what people to figure out what it is that's going to bring people back, right? He says that it's difficult to figure out what will get people back. I was going to say, yeah, I love that part. I never, I connected more with Josh on this quote when he says, uh, teens are tired of being online. It's amazing. You And this is this was really hard, and I think some people don't. <clears throat> and I think it's when you don't work or understand and know teens, like there's a difference between being online, doing schoolwork, doing Zoom calls, uh, and everything like that, and then going home and like playing video games or something like that, right? There's, right. there's, there's a difference. <coughs> Sorry, I like. This really got to you. Coffee down the rock, yeah. <laughs> um, but it, uh, but there's there's a difference, you know. There's a, there's a joke in the gaming community where you have these uh, semi drivers who are like, oh man, just got off a thirty eight hour drive. I feel good, you know. What I'm gonna go home and play some um, uh, Euro Truck, uh, and Euro Truck is a, um, you, you know, it's a it's a truck driving simulation game. You know, and there's a, there's a disconnect, there's a difference there. And so <clears throat> normally we think teens like, oh, they want to be online all the time anyway. So like Zoom class is just another thing, but um, but it's not. And, and teens are tired of being online. And I think it really stems back to what I was trying to say earlier was what makes your church thrive? What makes youth group thrive? Well, what makes youth group thrive is you come into this space and you take your jacket off and you're hanging out with your friends and you're talking and you're playing silly games and sometimes they're gross, sometimes they're fun. You're moving all over the place. You know, there's like this interaction that you have, um, but you just can't do that with a pandemic or with the virus. You know, it has to be separate. It has to be, you know, all these different things. Um, and so Josh, he, he says this is, uh, teens are tired of being online. I said, teens are tired of being online but aren't engaging in person either. And I think that's the part that um, is that, that is tiresome to me. He says, it's difficult to figure out what will get people back. He said, admittedly, he's drained. Mm -hmm. uh, and I feel that like that drain because, you know, if I can't connect with a team during the week via Instagram or a text or something, at least I know I'll, I'll see them on Wednesday, you know, and then I can connect in person. Now that outlet has been taken away, uh, you know, that, that outlet is gone. And so my job has become increasingly harder to make these relationships and these connections. 
Go ahead. Yeah, and I just like what Steve, you know, says here that, like, for a lot of for a lot of kids, this, um, wow, yeah, internet connection is the only connection they have. And you know, a year ago we were talking about how uh, this isn't real connection. We can't, you know, this can't last. We can't go on with this. Uh, and I think, I think what we're seeing with this generation who had become so accustomed to connecting online. Um, I don't think they realize how much of an impact that personal connection had until it was gone. Yeah, absolutely. And even if it's, and, even if it's just a small one, right? And and not 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 just for this generation. I think for our generation, because I think that's something that we knew was there, yeah. but we took for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know we've kind of grown up in this world where we had both. Mm-hmm. Um, even you know you're you're not that far behind me here. Um, and, um, um, well, uh, pretty far. When was your first? When did you get your first cell phone? For, uh, ooh, uh, sophomore year of high school. Of high school, yeah. And I was just Razor married, boot. but I would have been probably a, I would have been a senior in college when those things really started coming about. Um, it was not a razor; it would have been a brick phone. But still, it was. It came later in life, right? So we grew up without oh, yeah. that technology. Mm-hmm. You've got a generation of kids that are growing up and all they've known is technology, mm-hmm. but now they're realizing how important that human contact is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as a church, I think we really have taken it for granted. And I like, you know, what Johanna says too, is that, you know, Paul writes that you see that in his letters, right? I long to see you. Mm-hmm. I long to come back to you. And I'm already making plans. Right. It, ain't that the truth? Like, man, you used to, I used to read that and I used to go, man, Paul just like really enjoyed like hanging out with people. <laughs> and now like one year into this, I'm just like, oh, I love like I don't care what we do at youth group. Like if I long to see those kids and we get to come in and hang out and like we did a uh, we did a fall retreat at Tallgrass. And man, I had so much fun just because like. We were outside, we wore masks, we did everything that we should do, you know, to like, to be safe and to be good. But it was so much fun just because we all, we got to get together uh, and things like that. So that was, that was, uh, that was pretty awesome. But thinking about these numbers and thinking about that, go ahead. You had, you had another comment. No, I was just going to say, just, I mean, you know, your dad said you go to drive in church and everybody gets out of their cars and stands up and talks to people. You can't keep people apart when they're there. Right. Um, you can keep them safe and you can provide avenues, but um, there's just a very real realization of, of of how much this has affected people in general. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. So so we move on in this article and we get to this point here. And, uh, and this is still talking from Josh Jones' per- perspective. And here we have Summer Lashley and, um, it says, adding to the stress, Jones attendance, uh, attends church alone without his family pre-pandemic. And the university church attendance range from 250 to 300. Now gatherings are limited to 50 because of restrictions. Um, so I'll, I'll be honest with you. Uh, my wife and I have been struggling with this. Lauren works at the hospital. Um, you know, she gets to a point where, um, you know, we just had COVID. Uh, and we just had to quarantine for like three weeks. And it was like really weird. <clears throat> but um but there is this like one she has the biggest fear of passing covid on uh, to somebody else um you know um and, and things like that you know and so like she comes home she changes her outfit she showers leaves shoes all that kind of stuff it's it's all out 
somewhere else or it's in the basement of our house, all that kind of stuff. Um, and her biggest like stress was not going to church and getting COVID, but going to church and passing it on mm -hmm. to somebody else. Like what if she was asymptomatic or something like that? Um, and so this was a stress that we, um, that we never even imagined. Like the, the idea of me going to church on Sunday morning and Lauren worshiping online. That is a weird feeling. And I have heard more ministers, more youth ministers who, who say, well, I, I go because it's, it's work and I need to go. Um, but their spouse and maybe their children, uh, you know, aren't going. Um, and uh, I, I don't know that if you've experienced that or anything or if you've heard anybody, but I thought that it was um, that, that, that it's been really weird for me to not be able to worship with my family, like without my wife, without my son, I look forward. Sam loves music. He loves singing, um, you know, and uh, so it's just been really like, that's a really weird dynamic that I hadn't thought about. Yeah. We considered it just because of, uh, you know, Heather's in nursing school. And so she's in and out of hospitals all the time. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the areas she was working in weren't, were not high risk at all. Mm -hmm. You know, she's going through mental health and just some basic adult one kind of thing. So that didn't really um, affect us. But I know, I mean, Jonathan, who's probably, you know, watching his wife is is pregnant and she's due um, pretty soon. You know, so if there's ever any kind of uh, not necessarily even hesitancy, but you know, about being at risk. Um, I know the, the minister there at, at Holly Hill is his wife is is pregnant as well. And so when you factor in those things, it's like, okay, so now I have to balance my, my obligation to mm -hmm. uh, my church because I am their minister and to the people, but also to my family. Um, and that's a really, really challenging, um, I don't want to say balance because I mean it, but it is a balance, I guess, because we do have obligations to both, but, but what takes precedence and when does it take precedence? Absolutely, and, yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's just it's not a it's not a choice I would I would wish on anyone. And I don't think we mentioned it before, but we're talking about these personal connections. The hard thing for a minister is when you talk about mm. how we gauge our ministry. Right. It all hinges on personal connection. Mm -hmm. um, really? I mean, not. I've <clears throat> every Sunday. I mean, I get to the building early. I pray over the things that would go on in the rooms. Um, I leave class a little bit early to make sure I'm in the auditorium and I walk up and down the aisles and I greet, shake hands, hug, talk to every single person I can before and after services. And now it's just this awkward as like, do you shake hands? Do you knuckle bump or do we just wave or do we, I mean, how do we greet each other now? Do we nod like the Japanese or you know, what is our, what is our greeting? Because you don't want to offend anyone. Mm -hmm. You don't want to put anyone in an awkward situation. And you can do that either way because mm -hmm. the people who are on the, the ends of the spectrum, you know, we used to be kind of close and I could hold them together really easily. But now you're coming up on people who are on such polarized ends of, mm -hmm. of an understanding or of an expectation of how this should be handled that my personal connection is no longer a personal connection with you. It's a, how far can my arm stretch to try to hold you two together? Right. Um, yeah. And that's just, that's just been the, 
and, and, and you can't do that anymore in a way that's that we've understood because the people aren't right there in front of you. you can't look at their faces and read their expressions and their and their body language because not only are you looking at a zoom screen you're probably looking at a zoom screen that's just got an avatar now right yeah <laughs> it's just it's um it has completely changed my understanding of uh of connecting with people so a little Absolutely. bit of a tangent. Sorry. So no, you're fine. And so, it, like, it makes me think. Like, uh, and and today we, we want to kind of take a little bit of a corner here and turn a little bit because we want to talk about ministers and youth ministers and preaching ministers and children's ministers and and what do you do? Like, how do you take care of yourself? And that's what I appreciate about this article is that it kind of really took a strong turn. And uh, I guess it's this is the part of the show where we want to tell you uh, if you are a minister, these are things that. We got to practice what we preach first off. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's a big part of it. And, but also, like, if you're just a church member, uh, an elder, or a deacon, um, that, especially if you're an elder, like, your job is to shepherd, and your job is also to help shepherd y your, your ministers as well. And so you need to remind them to do this. And even if you are an elder, you need to remind yourself to do this. And so they take this turn and, um, and they talk about like this uh, getting outside and spending time with God. Um, mm -hmm. I think now, I, I remember the first time in college that I um, that I left my phone, my watch, my every clock kind of thing that I had, and I got my longboard and I went out for a ride, and I got lost and I sat somewhere and I just. I meditated. It was the first time that I'd ever like tried to really take like alone, quiet time with God. I'm sorry, my former youth minister, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, if, if, uh, you know, quiet time really never worked for me in the mornings. It just wasn't something that I could get into. Uh, also all of my teens, if you watch this stop. Um, but, um, but yeah, like we got to get outside and we got to take that time uh, for God, uh, shared five reasons he believes ministers uh, like Stephen are quitting. They are weary, cut off from nurturing relationships, refereeing a political war, grieving over lost members, and worried about church finances. Um, if you really think about it, all of these things are, are such a burden that ministers have to worry about all the time. You know what, like, a hardest conversation to be sitting in is when you're sitting in the room and somebody goes, well, we didn't make budget this week. Uh, oh, we didn't make budget this month. And you're sitting there and you're like, am I going to be compensated? Am I going to get paid? You know, what are you saying? Are you saying like, what, what's uh, the real thing behind this? Yeah, right? What's yeah. You know? And so, and then there's, like you said, like you're trying to hold people together and especially with a political season, in the middle of COVID. So you've got people who not only do you have people who say, Hey, you need to wear a mask all the time. And then you have other people who sit next to you who are going, it's all a conspiracy, you know, and you're trying to keep those people together. You've got Democrats and Republicans, you know, and people who bleed red, white, and blue um, and all that kind of stuff. And you're trying to hold all these people together. And by um, the way, and they have all the time in the world, not all the time in the world, but they have a lot more free time than they've ever had before to research. Yeah, yeah to research. Yeah, and then, and then at the same time, like 
we're dealing with, you know, our numbers down. What does this look like? You know, hey, we're doing online, we're doing Zoom. And you just have all of this, that's this, this stress that just kind of builds up. And it's really important for us to, to they need to focus on the spirituality, re-anchoring and nurturing relationships and work on emotional security and self-care. Um, like, are we, are we taking those times? Are we taking those moments for self-care? Um, it's crazy. Yeah. What, what do you think, Josh? I mean, do you Randy, do self, what do you do for self-care? Um, let me call you out. Yeah. You are calling me out because this is, this is kind of the crazy thing is I tell you what I do for self-care. Um, I stand on a sideline and have a coach scream in my ear for every call that he thinks I missed. Right. Um, and I is stand every, behind. Is that every Sunday morning or is it? Oh, no, you're talking about football. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm talking about football. I'm talking about, a, I'm not talking about church on Sunday, right? Um, there is. I have to find those moments, you know, right. where you just get away and allow that to. uh, uh just just let my mind break mm -hmm. and it's working but it's working in a different form in a different field in a different fashion i mean that's good for momentary stuff but the thing is um that doesn't last because as soon as we get off the field on friday um we go eat we come home i wake up on saturday morning and i'm processing all the things that i could do better it's like all right i'm ready for the next one mm -hmm. and there's already this need for more um we need something that is deeper, right? Right. We need something that is deeper and more anchoring. Football doesn't anchor me. Football is a break. It's a it's a relief. Okay. Um, and that that's what was really convicting to me about this is here is Mike Cope and Randy Harris are saying, look, I know I'm talking to ministers. I know I'm talking to ministers, but I'm telling you, you got to spend time with God. You preach it. You teach it. You proclaim right. it day after day after day after day. You got to do it. And I'm like, what do you mean? I... No, you're right. Um, <laughs> I know, yeah. yeah. It's like <laughs> that quote um, from Randy Harris is yeah. so like, a, it's such a moment where you're like, yeah. And I'm going to read it. He says, I know you're busy, but you've got to trust me for 10 minutes a day. You need to sit and dwell in the presence of God. Um, and then Mike Cope says, and he's telling that to people who already know that, but they forget. And when he tells that to ministers, they nod and they tear up because they're reminded of how much they need that time with God. Oh, it's um, so. And I can I have sat there in a Randy Harris class. I've had that conversation with Randy, and he has said something like so stupidly plain <laughs> that just cuts through everything. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. And I like this from my wife too. You know, she reminds me that you know sometimes you just have to do what needs to be done. And you know what I didn't have time to do yesterday? I did not have time to drive to Giddings, Texas to pick up a to pick up a car for a friend. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't have time to sit still in traffic for an hour and a half outside of Orange, Texas. I didn't have time to try to get across the Chafalaya Basin Bridge. Uh, 15 hours was gone yesterday, but I spent it with one of my good friends, one of our fellow ministers here. And um, in the conversation we had and the time that we spent, he's getting ready. He, he left for England this morning. So he also had much more to do yesterday than drive to Texas to pick up a vehicle. Um, but the, the moments we had in the car, listening to um, some 
Facebook, you know, messages, scriptural, um, talking to people and talking to one another. Uh, we've we've got to be able to take that time to recenter, um, and get outside, get in the moment, put things away, and really anchor yourself in the presence of God. Yeah, I love what you said because it it connected perfectly. Like, uh, self care alone won't erase stress. More than ever, church leaders need support from church members. Um, we'd love to see the church take some ownership, be compassionate, pray for ministers. I beg people to cut them some slack, Cope says. Ministers didn't get into this work to undermine people. They did it for the sake of the gospel. Um, first off, wow, that uh, that last part um, hit me really hard. You know, um, mm-hmm. ministers didn't get into this job to undermine people. They did it for the sake of the gospel. I, I didn't get into youth ministry to to have petty conversations or to to get angry over such silly little like church how we do things at church right um my wife is so good at reminding me this um and you know i got into youth ministry because i wanted to minister to teenagers you know Uh, i wanted to i wanted to be a youth minister i wanted to get into ministry i wanted to minister to teenagers i wanted to be uh somebody who was uh there in their lives i wanted to be that foundation block that said hey look at me as i look at jesus Mm -hmm. follow christ um you know this this is the answer that you're looking for you know that's why i wanted to get into ministry um and a lot of times i need that reminder um and then those 10 minutes with god reminds me that like i've said is that i've got to practice what i preach um and so uh, you know, I'm going to commit to 10 minutes every day. I'm going to get my, uh, after I finish my morning coffee, I'm going to go to my basement. Um, like I, uh, like I did back in college, I'll leave my cell phone, watch and everything upstairs and I will go and, and sit in prayer, uh, and personal study, uh, in that basement disconnected from all technology, uh, to have that personal time with God. Cause I think I need it for sure. And I don't know about our viewers. Um, I would guess that you need it too. Uh, yeah. And, you know, you said something we were talking um, I did. a few episodes back. Yeah. You said a lot of things. You said one thing that was really poignant. Right. And I said, I need someone to come and check on me from time to time. Mm-hmm. I need somebody to ask me, you know, hey, How you how's doing? your wife? How are you doing? <laughs> um, and you said, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't need anyone to ask me. I need someone to walk up and tell me, go take care of this and do it now. Uh, because if yeah. you ask me, what am I going to say? I'm fine. I'm fine. Right. I'm, <laughs> I'm fine. fine. Um, so I need people that aren't going to ask me, but they're going to demand my accountability in this. Um, and if they recognize that there's something not there and I need it to be someone that's not named my wife. Right. Right. Because, you know, they're always there. They're always about those things. And I'm about to go do something. It's like, you know, you really don't have time for this. It's like, yeah, no, but it's, it's cool. And they're not really going to argue, even though they know what's best for us. But we need those people in our lives that, that are more objective, who can come along and say, we can't afford for you to go down this road in this way. Yeah. I want you to take this time and I want you to go and 
when you come back to the office tomorrow, everything's still going to be here. Nothing's going to be touched. You're not going to be fired. All the stuff you have to do today is going to be there tomorrow. Today, here's what I need you to go do. Um, because, I mean, that's in the moment where you look and you go, yeah, that you get done with it. And it's like, that was, that was really, really crucial. I really needed that. I didn't even, didn't even realize how much, so. Absolutely. Uh, this made me think of that, uh, that TikTok song. Um, and this is a good way to close, but have you heard it? It's, and uh, sometimes I'll say, <laughs> Lauren will ask me and I'll be like, Hey, how you doing? I'm doing just fine. I lied. I'm dying inside. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing just fine. I lied. I'm dying inside. Yeah. And I'm just like, I'm just like, oh, that's such a catchy and really sad Song. Yeah. And, and true uh, and it's true and and sometimes that's how uh people are feeling um uh josh any closing remarks uh for us um man i just say hey if you're a minister take care of yourself um yeah. don't make someone come up and uh force you to do what you should be doing because you've been teaching and preaching for people to do it all along right um you know be the kind of minister, the kind of leader, the kind of teacher that recognizes that in yourself. Um, if you're at a church and you recognize that instead of saying, man, you look tired to your minister, uh, walk up to him and say, I want you to do something for me. Um, this afternoon, I want you to go take a break because you've been working your tail off. Um, and we want you to be here for the long haul. And we recognize it, but we've got to be willing to stand behind it for ourselves and for the people around us. Um, that's my uh, moment, I suppose. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys for being here today. Uh, we want to thank you uh, for just hanging out with us, loving on us and uh, and being here. Uh, it means a lot to us and, and we hope uh, that it means something to you. But we want to remind you of something that's super important to us, which is Galatians 6, 9, which is do not grow weary in doing good things. And boy, does that really fit this episode uh, and this uh, this season that we're in right now uh, is to just not grow weary in doing good things. Um, and good things is praising your ministers, slapping them on the back and saying, hey, I appreciate you. Um, and, uh, and that also is a big part of just life in general. So don't grow weary in doing good things because this world is messy. There's a lot of hate. There's a lot of negativity. There's a lot of unwarranted criticism that kind of goes out. Um, so do something good, do something good in Christ's name and give that glory to God. And that'll be so different, uh, and, and so needed in this world. Uh, I'm Aaron and this is Josh, and we will see you next week on Behind the Beards. Till we're all growing a beard A man's face should never be bare We just want some facial hair We're anticipating, yeah, everyone's waiting for a beard